Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus commanded us to be baptized in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Water baptism, something every Christian should undergo, is an outward symbolic act of an inward spiritual baptism that happens at the moment of our salvation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift from our Heavenly Father of the Holy Spirit, empowering us to be disciples of Jesus and to walk out the call He has on our lives. Let's open our Bible now to Matthew chapter 28 and look at these three kinds of biblical baptism. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Thursday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, just having a blessed new year. Um, you know, hopefully that this new year so far, you've been spending time with Jesus, just growing to know Jesus, spending time in the word of God. Hopefully you've been spending time growing to be a disciple and an ever maturing disciple of Jesus Christ. Today, we're gonna do the, what I believe is the fifth teaching in the series of uh, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and should be the fifth teaching of, uh, of this new year. Sometimes I, I get those wrong, and you know, Stephen reminds me, forgive me of that. Sometimes I'll get wrong where the teaching you know, hits and stuff. Um, you know, Stephen does all that and he works so hard on it. I appreciate it. But yes, here we are. Today's teaching now, this is the fifth teaching. Um, and this one's going to be about baptism. Um, we're going to talk about three different aspects of baptism. We're going to talk about three different baptism ba baptisms, actually. There are three separate individual baptisms that the scriptures teach about. Um, and as far as, you know, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is important that we understand, you know, really what baptism is. And so we're going to go deep now. So I'm going to try to go scripture by scripture by scripture. We're going to, we're going to follow a, a timeline in the scripture so that you understand, um, you know, really this concept of baptism. I think it's important for a disciple to understand this. Originally, I was only going to talk about, you know, water baptism and that being a picture of the spiritual baptism that happens when we become believers in Jesus Christ. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are baptized or immersed spiritually by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, okay? We become part of the bride of Christ, and that's a and that is a spiritual baptism done by the Holy Spirit, immersing us into Jesus. And then water baptism, the second baptism, is a outward symbolic act of obedience. And, and that reflects that inward reality, that, that, that spiritual baptism that had happened previously when we gave our lives to Christ, when we gave our lives to Christ and when we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So water baptism is an outward symbolic act of obedience that reflects the inward reality that we've already been, you know, baptized in the Spirit by the Holy Spirit 
into Jesus, into the body of Christ. We've been, we've been, we've, uh, we've become part of the bride of Christ. We're, we're part of the church, the, the spiritual body of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what I was going to teach on. But then in speaking to, uh, to Stephen, uh, again, the guy that, uh, one of the leaders here, one of the deacons at Kingdom Discipleship and the guy that, you know, just leads up our communications department, but he's more and more working now with my son-in-law, Nathan, and my daughter, Kristen, who's always been a big help. But uh, Stephen and Nathan thought it important that, you know, in a discipleship series that I do explain uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I was reticent to do it, but in speaking to them and considering it more and studying it, uh, I, I am convinced and convicted it was right uh, to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, it, it is important. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, um, I don't know why all of us would not want or desire um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was asking Nathan this morning what the uh, the reticence is in the church. And and he felt like, you know, because there has, you know, there's, it's not really taught on and there is a lot of misunderstanding on it. And frankly, there's been a, just a, a lot of very poor teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with our salvation. It has nothing to do with the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. We're going to show in the scriptures how it has nothing to do with receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and ultimately going to heaven when you die. Um, it has nothing to do with the salvation experience, okay? Um, you know, many people, when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you receive it simply by praying and asking Jesus, you know, to be baptized, asking Jesus to baptize you in his Holy Spirit, and we'll do that at the end. Um but, you know, uh, you know, many people, you know, will have a, a supernatural experience. You know, many people will experience spiritual gifts coming to life. Sometimes people will will speak in tongues, right, in, in, in unknown languages or in a spiritual language. Um, and, and sometimes that does happen. But very often, you know, you know, certainly when I prayed and I asked the Lord Jesus to baptize me in his Holy Spirit, you know, I didn't feel any big supernatural event happened to me. Um, you know, I do believe I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is simply an immersion by Jesus into the Holy Spirit. It's an empowering by the Holy Spirit. It's a gift or an empowering of the Holy Spirit to more effectively walk out the call of God on your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so why would any of us not want that? And so, like I said, again, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of erroneous teaching, a lot of unbiblical teaching. Um, and again, perhaps that's why, you know, you know, many teachers, you know, shy away from it or they don't like the teaching. But again, I've, I've done actually an extensive amount of study and preparing for this. So hopefully when we're done here, um, as a disciple of Jesus, you'll have a sound understanding of these three different baptisms in the Bible. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives, Father. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to save us, Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life for us on our, in our, on our behalf and in our place that we could never live. 
We thank you for dying a torturous death for us, Lord Jesus, that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today. And we, we worship you today, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you now to give us eyes that see as we open your word, ears that hear. We ask you to give us hearts that understand. Holy Spirit, we ask you to just to open our hearts that we may better learn how to be growing disciples in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Okay, so we're going to begin again um, in Matthew 28, and I'm going to read verses 18 to 20. Okay, we've talked about this in almost every teaching. Again, this is a series, a topical series on a disciple of Jesus Christ. And again, this is this is the fifth teaching. And again, it's on it's on the three baptisms. Okay. All right, Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So again, here we, we, we see Jesus telling us not to go and make Christians, but as we've said, we have to be a Christian before we can be a disciple of Jesus. A Christian is someone who has genuinely received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus is living in them. The Holy Spirit is living inside them. The Holy Spirit has become one with your spirit, has given you spiritual life, has given you eternal life. You've received a new spiritual birth by the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. Um, you're alive spiritually. God the Father is your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, your comforter. Remember, we have a triune God, one being, but three separate, distinct individual persons. And in Jesus, when we've genuinely received Jesus into our heart, when we're trusting and relying on him and him alone for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and ultimately going to heaven when we die, in Jesus Christ, in that place, we actually have relationship with each member of the Trinity. It's, it's, it's incredible. So again, what I want to emphasize in this verse is Jesus's command to us, okay? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You see that rap? Jesus is the boss of everything. It is the most audacious statement ever uttered from the lips of human beings. You see that, Nathan? All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. If the speaker is not God, if Jesus is not God, it's 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 an absurdity like it's never been uttered. He just said he's the boss of everything, not only in earth in on earth, but Jesus said he's the boss of everything in heaven. Verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here's the command to make a disciple of Jesus. And a disciple of Jesus is someone who is to be baptized. And he's speaking about water baptism here. Okay, he's, talk, he's speaking about the second baptism. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now 
before we're water baptized, okay, before we do this public profession of our faith in Jesus Christ, before we go publicly, before we do this public, you know, uh, activity, this public obedience of going and being water baptized, going and being immersed in water um, publicly and professing our faith in, in, in Jesus and professing that he is indeed our only Lord and Savior. Before we do that, we need to make sure we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, okay? This second baptism, water baptism, as I've already said, is an outward symbolic act of an inward reality, okay? So look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, okay? Now again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go here in order so when we, we, you know, we can see the order that these baptisms are done in, okay? This is the first baptism. This baptism is a spiritual baptism. It's done by the Holy Spirit, and it happens when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It happens at the moment of your salvation, the moment of your conversion, the moment that you've put your full faith, trust, and reliance in Jesus alone, believing in him and him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, and to go to heaven when you die, okay? When you've received Jesus in, as your Lord and Savior, this baptism happens, okay? Again, it's done by the Holy Spirit, and it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, immersing you or baptizing you. To baptize means to immerse. He's immersing you into Jesus, okay? It's incredible, all right? So now this is, again, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. All right, Becky, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So again, what I want us to focus on in this verse is the word of God says, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. So who's doing the baptism? It says we were baptized by one spirit, capital S. So it's the Holy Spirit baptizing us into Jesus. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body. When you had received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, at that time when you became a Christian, right? When you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, at the time, John 1.12, remember it says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Again, this is at the time when you were converted, okay? At the time when you just realized that you were a hopeless, helpless, desperate sinner headed to hell and only Jesus could save you. You ran to Jesus and called out to him, asking him to save you from your sin, be the Lord of your life, and to bring you to heaven when you die. At that point, the point you were first converted, the point that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit baptized you or immersed you into Jesus. You became part of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit immersed you into the body of Christ. You became part of the bride of Christ. And you became part of this big spiritual body. The Spirit of God connected you, immersed you, made you part of this big body of Christ that we call the church, right? And so you were made a part of this spiritual body. This was a spiritual baptism done by the Holy Spirit, immersing you into Jesus, okay? 
Look at Galatians 3, verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Okay, so once again, this is saying the same thing. Okay, now again, and it's important to understand that water baptism, which is the next baptism that comes in an orderly fashion after we've received this spiritual baptism. And again, there's nothing we do in this spiritual baptism. It happens simultaneously. It happens the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Galatians 3.27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Again, you've put on Christ. You've been immersed in Christ. This happens. This is the baptism that happens at your salvation. Water baptism doesn't save us at all. It doesn't help save us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't save us at all. It doesn't help save us. It doesn't even show that we are saved, okay? This baptism is the baptism that saves us. When we called out to Jesus, when we received Jesus, the Spirit of God in the spirit realm immersed our spirit into Jesus and we put on Jesus and we were saved in Jesus, okay? Again, this is done in the spirit made. Do you see that? And it's done by the spirit of God immersing us. Immerse means to baptize, baptize means to immerse, completely immersing us into Jesus and becoming part of his spiritual body, connected to Jesus in the spirit and all believers worldwide over all history in Jesus Christ are called the body of Christ, and it's also called the, the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ because we're married to Jesus spiritually, right? As a husband and wife are married physically, and they come together in sexual intimacy physically, in Jesus, we are one with Jesus spiritually. We're one with him in spirit. Obviously, it has no sexual connotation, but we are one with Jesus, so we're called the bride of Christ because we're, we're married to Jesus. Now, again, this happens at the moment of your conversion. It's, it's simultaneous at the time you received Christ, asked Jesus to come to your heart, fully believed in him as your Lord and Savior and as your only hope for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul and going to heaven. This spiritual baptism happened, and it was the Holy Spirit who did this baptism. It was the Holy Spirit immersing you, baptizing you into Jesus, into the body of Christ, and you've put on Christ, you have Christ, you're saved, okay? That's the first baptism. Now, the next baptism is a water baptism. This is the second baptism, and this baptism, as I said, is an outward symbolic act of obedience. We say it's an act of obedience because in Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus told us that we are to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are to be immersed, okay? Again, this is an outward act. This is something we do. It's important to understand we're not saved by this. This doesn't help save us from our sin, and nor does the third baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But we're commanded to do, to do this. Jesus died for us publicly, Peyton. He gave his life for us publicly. He, he hung on a cross naked and was tortured, Corinne, for us publicly. So in water baptism, we go publicly. We go before other people 
and we are publicly proclaiming that, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that we've received him as our Lord and Savior, and we proclaim that we are going to live and devote our lives to him. Okay. Now in water baptism, okay, the symbolism is strong. Okay. Now water baptism is a baptism of immersion. Okay. Um, I don't understand why there are so many opinions on this. The scripture is not ambiguous when it comes to baptism. Now, again, it has nothing to do with our salvation, but there are people who do sprinklings and things like that. And again, you, you, you don't find this. When Jesus says to go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are to follow Jesus in the way he was baptized, okay? So we need not look any further than, you know, when Jesus tells us to be baptized and tells us to baptize others, what we want, the only thing that matters is, well, how was Jesus baptized? Because as disciples of Jesus, we want to emulate Jesus in everything, right, Susan? And all we do, Pop, we're wanting to emulate Jesus. So look at Matthew 3, verse 16. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. So you see again, he went up out of the water, okay? So when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, okay, Jesus, you know, was, was you know, was, you know, was, was, in the, was in the water, you know, whatever it was, up to his waist, maybe up to his chest, and John would have, would have you know, immersed Jesus in the water. He would have let him down into the water so that, that the water almost would have completely covered Jesus. You could hardly see him anymore. And then he would have taken him up out of the water. Again, that spiritual baptism, when the Holy Spirit immerses us into Jesus, we go all the way into Jesus in the spirit. And the goal is you don't see much of us anymore, right, Jason? You just see, you just see Jesus, okay? And so again, I want to read that again. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, okay? So he walked out of that body of water, at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. So after his baptism, Jesus has this blessing of the Holy Spirit coming on him. Okay. And that's going to be significant as we get into the, the next, the third baptism, which is one where the spirit of God doesn't come in us, but comes on us. Okay. Um, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we're saved, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, okay? And is inside of us and will never leave us, okay? Um, and so, all right. So again, water baptism. You see, after Jesus is baptized, he receives this blessing. When we are obedient in water baptism, okay, we too will be blessed. Again, we're following the word of God. We're obeying what Jesus has told us to do. And, you know, again, certain people have had, have, have had outward manifestations when they have, when they have, when they've done water baptism, they've experienced the presence of Jesus in, in really a supernatural way. I, I, I didn't, I don't believe I did. I was water baptized and I was immersed as a new believer. And I don't remember any, any particular supernatural experience. Matter of fact, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I believe. 
And I don't remember any particular supernatural experience that just that just overtook me, so to speak. But others have experienced this. And the point is, we want every blessing that Jesus would have for us. Okay. so again, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today and you have not been immersed, it's something that I would very much exhort you and encourage you to do. Okay. Um, and again, you want to have someone baptize you that understands baptism, that's simply going by the Bible, and you just want to emulate Jesus. Okay. Some people may have been sprinkled when they were little. That's fine, but that's not how Jesus was baptized. Okay. Jesus went into the water and came up out of the water. Now, what is this, this, uh, this symbolism? Okay. So when you go into the water, okay. When during baptism, when I'm baptizing someone, okay, they'll be, we'll be standing there together and I'll ask them, you know, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior? Are you trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Now, now it's funny. I'm thinking of this now. I ask the same thing when I do a wedding. Okay. At the altar, when the bride and groom are there, I want to make sure I'm going to ask them publicly have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you trusting and relying on him alone? Are you clinging to Jesus alone, knowing that without Jesus, you are hopeless, helpless, and only headed to hell? Okay. Now, while the baptism is happening, of course, the person will confirm that, yes, they are trusting and relying in Jesus alone. Why do I ask that? Well, because you don't want to get these out of order. Okay. The order of these is biblically very important. Okay. Um, you don't want to have, you know, gone through water baptism. Oftentimes in life, many people, you know, have been, uh, my daughter Kristen did this. Many people, you know, believed in Jesus, but they were never true Christians. They had an intellectual assent. They had believed in Jesus, you know, that Jesus existed and Jesus walked the earth, but they never came to a point of genuine salvation where they had genuinely called out to Jesus, you know, running to Jesus, knowing themselves to be hopeless, helpless, desperate sinners and, and truly receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They had an intellectual belief in Jesus, but it was never a biblical belief. It was never a, a genuine saving belief. It was never a, a belief where they could, they, they understood their desperate need of Jesus, that without Jesus only hell awaits. And they ran to the foot of the cross, calling out to Jesus to save them from their sin and to be the Lord of their life and bring them to heaven when they die. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It isn't the words that save us, okay? But it's when you call out to Jesus with this heart, knowing your desperation, knowing your need of him. And out of that sincerity and genuineness, you call out to him. God has given his word that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord with that heart will be saved. Okay. Um, now, before we do water baptism, again, which is an outward symbolic act of this inward spiritual baptism, we want to make sure that people genuinely have received Christ and that they are part of the body of Christ, that the Spirit of God has indeed, in truth, immersed them into the body of Christ, that they are truly saved, that they have been baptized, immersed by the Spirit of God 
into Jesus, into the body of Christ, right? That they have clothed themselves in Christ spiritually, that they've been immersed in Jesus. They've gone down into Jesus spiritually, just like when you go down into that water and you could hardly see anything left, right? All you see is, you know, you, you see some vague imprint, right? It's the same when we've been immersed in Jesus, the goal of our life as disciples, right, Kristen, is that you see less and less of us and just more and more of Jesus because we've been immersed in Jesus. Wow. So again, I'll ask these questions in baptism and then I'll ask, are you know, you know, um, are you going to live for Jesus? Are you going to obey him? Are you going to repent? You know, when you make mistakes and, and the people will always say yes. And then I'll say, based on your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, why do I say that? Because Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 says, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So as I'm immersing them, and I say this as I'm letting them down into the water, right? I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and I'm now letting them down into the water in the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And as I say Holy Spirit, so again, I'm proclaiming them immersed now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, immersed, baptized in, in all the Trinity. Wow, it's exciting, right? Now, when they go down, I'll say buried in the likeness of his death. So there's a symbolism that when you're, when you're fully in the water for that one second, right? It's, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's symbolism of your complete identification with the death of Christ. Your, your old person, your old man or woman has been buried with Christ into baptismal waters. It, it's a symbolism of that. Now, again, all this has already happened in the spirit realm. Again, this has nothing to do with your salvation, but this symbolizes what's happened in the spirit, right? So I'll say, buried in the likeness of his death. And then as they're coming up out of the water, I'll say, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. So when you come up out of the water, it symbolizes your identification with the resurrection life of Christ. Golly, see, I'm just getting excited about it now, okay? Um, and so, you know, that's what we're doing in water baptism, all right? You see that, Ian? Um, that's what we're doing in Alicia in water baptism. So again, anyone who's listening to this and saying, you know, I am trusting in Jesus Christ, but I haven't been water baptized, you can get a hold of our ministry, get a hold of the church that does baptism by immersion, um, and go ahead and get baptized, okay? Why? Because Jesus told you to and Jesus died for you publicly. He was tortured for you publicly. He hung on a cross for you and I, naked, Chris, publicly. So we need to go and be baptized publicly, declaring our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and declaring our intention to live for him. All right. Now, that's the second baptism, okay? Um, that's water baptism. So... Now we're going to get into the third baptism, okay, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now again, this happens um, after, you know, we've already been saved. Uh, this baptism has nothing to do with our salvation. It has nothing to do with us receiving eternal life. It has nothing to do with the forgiveness of our sins or the salvation of our soul. It has nothing to do with our coming into relationship with God the Father as our Heavenly Father are having relationship with Jesus, God the Son, right? 
as our Lord and Savior and Master and King, our relationship with God the Holy Spirit as our guide, our counselor, our comforter. It's not any of those things. What we're going to see here is this baptism of the Holy Spirit is a subsequent gift after we've been saved, after the Holy Spirit has come to live inside us and given us eternal life and spiritual life, after the Holy Spirit has immersed us into Jesus, into the body of Christ, okay? After we've been water baptized, okay? And again, what's important is, again, some of you might say, well, I haven't been water baptized. Can I pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely, okay? Um, the, the, the most important one by a million, by a billion, is the first one. That first baptism is the baptism that reflects your salvation. That it's when you are genuinely saved, that spiritual baptism of the Holy Spirit immersing you into Jesus, clothing you in Jesus, baptizing you in Jesus, making you part of the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, that's, the, that's by far the most important baptism. Now, these other baptisms do come with, with blessings and gifts. So whether you've been water baptized or not, yes, at the end of this, I'm going to show you just the simple prayer. You're just going to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You're going to ask Ask him to, to tell him you want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and the empowering of the Holy Spirit to walk out the call of God on your life. So I had made a point that in the first baptism, it was the Holy Spirit immersing you or baptizing you in Jesus, right? You remember in, in 1 Corinthians 12, for we were, all, we were all baptized, all Christians, we were all baptized. This is interesting. Every genuine Christian gets this baptism. Not every genuine Christian. I would say very, most Christians don't, haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But every Christian must have this baptism, this first one, or you're not saved. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. So you, again, you notice by one spirit, it was the Holy Spirit who did this initial baptism at salvation. Okay. And he immersed us into the body of Christ. And just remember, I didn't finish that story about my daughter, Kristen, where my daughter, Kristen, grew up believing she was a Christian, believing that she had received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And I baptized her when she was 14 years old. But we came to find out when she graduated college at like 22 years old, she had confessed that she had really no heart for Jesus at all, no desire for Jesus, no interest in him. You know, her life was miserable. She just didn't see, you know, any meaning in life. And I told her, honey, there's a good possibility you're not saved. You were never genuinely saved. And in that moment, she prayed with me again to receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior. But this time she, she did it for real. I mean, she called on Jesus and asked Jesus to come into her heart, desperate for Jesus, desiring Jesus not only for the forgiveness of her sins and the salvation of her soul, but she wanted him as her Lord right now. And you can almost see the born again get on my girl. You can almost see the spiritual life come into Kristen. But now she had been baptized when she was 14, so she had it backwards. She, the Bible says to believe and then be water baptized. She was actually water baptized before genuine belief came. And so she, you know, she goes to, she goes to a good solid church. And so, you know, we went to her baptism about, you know, a little over about a year and a half ago. And she was baptized again. She was immersed Again, but this time she did it in the right order, okay? She had now already been immersed by the Holy Spirit into Jesus, into the body of Christ spiritually, and then she would obey Jesus after that 
and being water baptized. And she testified and it was, it was incredible. Okay. So again, we're getting into the deep, deep water now. So again, follow this. This is exciting. And again, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I don't know why everyone would not want this blessing, this extra empowering of the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not a quick fix to maturity. It's not going to take away your problems. But we're going to see clearly here that these Christians, the early Christians, received an extra gift, an extra empowering of the Holy Spirit. They received the blessing of the Holy Spirit coming on them in a way that was more than just the salvation experience, okay? All right, so the first baptism is the, the Holy Spirit immersing you in Jesus, but let's look at this one, okay? Look at Mark 1.8. So we want to see who does the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that does your initial spiritual baptism into Jesus, well, look at Mark 1.8. I baptize you with water, John the Baptist said, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So who's doing this baptism? Jesus. I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Look at John 1 verse 33. John 1.33, John the Baptist speaking. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Okay? When John was baptizing Jesus, we already read when Jesus came out of the water, the Spirit of God came down and remained on him. So look what it says. John was told by God the Father, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he, Jesus, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So now we see the Father saying that is Jesus who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it cool? Do you remember that it was the Holy Spirit who baptized you into Jesus? And now it's Jesus who's going to baptize you with this extra blessing of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of exciting. Again, Matthew 3.11. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the point I'm making here is in the first baptism, the spiritual baptism, the salvation baptism, it was the Holy Spirit baptizing you or immersing you into Jesus. Here, it's Jesus baptizing you with this blessing of the Holy Spirit coming on you. Kind of cool, right? All right. Um. All right, so now, now we want to turn to John 20. Where are we at here on time? All right, we're doing pretty good. We want to turn to John 20, verse 22. This is important. I'm going to turn here in, uh, in my Bible. John 20, verse 22, because we're going to get a timeline here of the disciples, Nathan, okay? So in John 20, verse 22, all right, um, I'm going to start reading in verse 21, okay? John 20, 21, and 22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Now, remember, this is Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and he's in the room with his disciples. OK. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. OK. Now, again, back in verse 19, it says on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the door locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Verse 22, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? This is going to be the disciples' born-again experience right here. This is going to be the time that the Holy Spirit is going to come inside of them, regenerate them, and give them spiritual life. What they're getting here is what you and I receive at the moment of our conversion, at the moment of our salvation, the moment we put our full faith trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. This is the time right here that the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and Galatians 3, 27 is immersing them. Now the Holy Spirit is coming to live inside of them. Verse 22, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. At this moment, all of them now received the Holy Spirit inside of them. They became spiritually alive. They're sealed with the Holy Spirit. They're immersed spiritually into the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. They are now spiritually alive and they've received the Holy Spirit. So he gives this to his disciples. Look at the words. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now they have the Holy Spirit. From there, let's go to Luke 24, 48. Now they already have the Holy Spirit. Okay. But look what he says in Luke 24, 48. They're already saved. Luke 24, 48 and 49. You are my witnesses of these things. You are my witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So they've already received the Holy Spirit. They've been saved, but Jesus instructs them, do not leave the city until you get this gift, till you get what my father promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high, okay? All right, so you see that. This is after now they've already received the Holy Spirit. They're already saved, okay? You, you see this lens, right? You're following me, all right? Acts 1 verse 4. Okay, Acts 1 verse 4. Now, this is after this now. So the receive the Holy Spirit happened. Then in Luke 24, he tells them, you know, to stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. They've already received the Holy Spirit. Now we're over into the book of Acts. Jesus is about to be taken up here right away now. Okay, they're at the moment, the day that Jesus is going to be taken up. Okay, Acts 1 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse five, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it's kind of big here now, right? They've already received the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago, right? They've already received the Holy Spirit. They're already saved. But Jesus tells them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you had heard me speak of. So this is obviously a subsequent gift. Okay. This is verse five for John baptized with water, but in a few days, 
you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, they already have the Holy Spirit. Why is he saying this? They've already received the Holy Spirit. So it's clear here, Jason, right, that they're going to they're going to receive some kind of extra empowering of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that he's calling the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 2, verse 1. So he tells them that this is coming, okay? He tells them to wait. He's then taken up before their very eyes, okay? So now remember, they're already saved. Jesus back in John 20 is, has breathed on them, and they've already received the Holy Spirit. But he tells them to wait. Don't do anything, okay, until you receive the Holy Spirit. You see that? All right, let, let's look at Acts 2, verses one through five, one through four, Acts two, one through four. So now you see Jesus has been taken up. He's told them uh, to wait for the gift my promised father, my, my, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now we're gonna turn to Acts two when this actually happens. Acts two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Verse two, suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse three, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Verse four, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, so now here is the blessing Jesus told them to wait for. Here is this blessing. You notice it, they've already received the Holy Spirit in them, but look what it says. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So this, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, this extra blessing, this extra, extra empowering of the Holy Spirit to walk out the call of God on our lives, to fulfill the call of God we have as disciples, is not the Holy Spirit coming in us. He already lives in us. We're already sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're already saved. We're already going to heaven, okay? This is a subsequent extra blessing given to us where the Holy Spirit comes on us and empowers us, right? Are we seeing that, all right? Look at Acts 1, verse 8, okay? Because this is, now I want to go back to this. We haven't read this verse yet, okay? We read verses 4 and 5 of Acts 1. Then we showed you where it happens in verses Acts 2. They do wait the few days and they get this. But look at Acts 1, verse 8. This is Jesus speaking right before he's taken up. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see this? So again, he tells them, to wait for the gift my father promised. He tells them, John baptized you with water. They did the water baptism. But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So again, the Holy Spirit already lives in them. He lives in us. But apparently there's this special endowing of power, this special gift of power. For what purpose? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you can see this baptism of the Holy Spirit, this gift of the Holy Spirit, this extra blessing 
of receiving the Holy Spirit coming on you is for the purpose to empower you as a disciple of Jesus Christ, to obey Jesus and to fulfill the call of God on his life. So he promises this. And you notice, remember, he told them, right, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't do anything till you get this empowering, okay? They're already saved. Apparently, he wants them to have this extra gift of the Holy Spirit, and certainly I want it, okay? I've already talked about how this blessing of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with our salvation, okay? It has nothing to do with us receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. It has nothing to do with us going to heaven when we die. It has nothing to do with our water baptism, okay? Um, it's not tied to any of that. It's simply desiring this same gift that Jesus gave the disciples here, right? All right. Turn to Acts 8, verse 12. We're going to see this principle shown again very clearly. Acts 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip, okay? Um, and now again, this is speaking of in Samaria, right? They're in Samaria now, and Philip's preaching the gospel. He's telling the people about Jesus in Acts 12, Acts 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women, okay? So they believe in Jesus. They receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is living in them. They've been immersed into the spiritual body of Christ. They're part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and they're even water baptized. They were baptized, both men and women. Look at 13. Simon himself believed was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, when Samaria had received the gospel, they accepted the good news of Jesus, they were saved. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Verse 15, when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. He had come to live in them, but this gift of the Holy Spirit, this empowering of the Holy Spirit had not come on them, okay? So once again, when you get saved for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, for your going to heaven, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Verse 16, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized under the name of the Lord Jesus. So they have done the water baptism, They've received that first spiritual baptism into the body of Christ, into the bride of Christ, right? They've been immersed by the Spirit, but they had not yet received this extra blessing of the Holy Spirit, right? Verse 17, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So we see how it happens here. Holy Spirit's not given by men and women, right? It says, when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. We already talked about that, that the scriptures make clear. The Father said it was Jesus who will give this blessing. So we're going to pray here in a minute that we too would receive the blessing that the Lord has for us and, and all that the Lord has for you in it. 
what the Lord has for us in this blessing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people will speak in tongues. Some people will experience his presence in a profound and intimate way. You'll actually tangibly experience the love of Jesus. And as I already confessed for me, I don't know that I felt a whole lot. It doesn't matter what I feel. It matters what the Bible teaches. All right. And we'll see this same principle here in Acts 10 and 11. Um, I'll go through this clearly, but we're going to see the same principle. Acts 10, 44, Peter is preaching to Cornelius. It says in 44, Acts 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Remember, didn't come in, came on. Verse 45, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter, the saved people, the Jews who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. So again, a Gentile, remember, is a non-Jew, but they were astonished. These people were saved. They had believed in Jesus. They were trusting in Jesus. They were relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. And now here you're seeing that, that they received this extra blessing of the Spirit of God coming on them, being poured out onto them, right? All right, let's turn to Acts 11, verse 14. Now, Peter's going to explain what's happened here. In Acts 11, he's explaining to his brothers and sisters in Christ what happened here with Cornelius in Acts, uh, Acts 10. So Peter says, he's explaining what he said, and, he, and uh, Peter is repeating what Cornelius told him. In Acts 11, 14, Peter says of Cornelius, he will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Peter is testifying what Cornelius told him. An angel told Cornelius to go get Peter. Verse 14, he will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he came on us at the beginning. When was the beginning for them? You remember when Jesus said, wait a few days, and in Acts 2, 1 to 4, the Holy Spirit comes on them. They were already saved. They had already received the Holy Spirit back in John 20, right? They were already immersed into the body of Christ, but they received this extra empowering, this extra blessing, right? And finally, Acts eleven sixteen, Peter says, Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we've given the three baptisms here, right? It's uh, hopefully they're clear to you. It's imperative that every believer, you cannot be saved until you've received Jesus Christ. And when you receive Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God immediately baptizes you or immerses you spiritually into the body of Christ, into the bride, into the, uh, you're part of the bride of Christ. You're immersed in Christ. You're clothed in Christ, right? You're saved, okay? That's the spiritual baptism. That happens at the moment of your salvation. If you haven't been water baptized, if you haven't gone out, and been physically immersed in water, go out, find a, a competent minister who understands water baptism like this and who does actually immersion, okay? Um, you know, when it comes to this kind of baptism, again, I, 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 the reason I'm hard on it, I understand others believe in the sprinkling, but I just want to emulate Jesus. You should just say, for no other reason, I want to be water baptized the way Jesus was water baptized, and he was clearly immersed, okay? And again, Jesus has commanded you to do that. You want to do it in the way he did it. And again, th there's always a blessing that comes with any act of obedience, but this is a big one, 
right? Because again, Jesus was died, died for you publicly. He was tortured for you publicly. He hung on a cross naked for you and I and was tortured publicly. So it's important in this act of, of water baptism, this physical act of going and us being publicly baptized and publicly declaring that Jesus Christ is our only Lord and Savior. And our faith and confidence is in him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. And we very much intend to live for him in every aspect of our lives. And now, you know, if you would say, you know what, I, I, I certainly don't know that I've received any baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I've received. I know I'm saved. I believe I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, we already said that it's clear that it was the Holy Spirit at our salvation who baptized us and immersed us into Jesus. But it's Jesus now who gives us this extra blessing of baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. So if you want to be, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want this extra blessing, again, I know that there are uh, there are people and denominations and different Christians that don't even believe in this. But when we walk through these scriptures, we cannot rationally deny on the very words in the order of the scriptures that there was a clear extra blessing and empowering and receiving of the Holy Spirit that was in it that was after the salvation experience. And, and for me, I just want whatever the Lord has for me. I don't want to leave any blessing on, on the shelf. Uh, to be frank, it, living this life as a disciple for Jesus isn't easy. I make mistakes all the time. I have to take a vacation day, as I say, to talk about him. So if you want to receive this, this baptism, and I know I want it, I hope I have it, I think I do, but I'm going to pray again. So just pray with me and say, you know, Lord Jesus, I do come before you now. And Lord Jesus, I ask you now in your name, in Jesus' name, Lord Jesus, I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me now, Lord Jesus, I pray with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come on me now and empower me now to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Empower me, Holy Spirit, I pray. Baptize me that I might be empowered to walk out the call of God on my life today. Father, I thank you and I praise you. I worship you and I love you. Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for our Bible, Father. Above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all your blessings in our life, Lord. And again, we do ask you to baptize us, Lord, that the Holy Spirit may come on us and empower us to do the work you've given us to do, that we might obey your word, Lord. Father, we love you and we bless you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this to our hearts now. Give us eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear him, and hearts that understand him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.